Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football, and this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash FDM. On today's podcast, we have a new head coach at Notre Dame College Division II school here in Ohio, one that really has risen to national prominence. Their new head coach has an interesting story because at one time he was the intern there, and it's somebody who's been a part of my football journey as a coach, was an assistant for me for a year when we were coaching at the high school level, his first job, and that's the head football coach at Notre Dame College, Mickey Metal. Mick, it's great to have you here. Great to be here, Keith. Thanks for having me and taking the time. Absolutely. So, Mick, before we got talking, you know, you you grew up in a football family. Football's really always been an important part of your life. Was being a coach something you envisioned at a, at a young age, or did that develop, you know, later at, as you went through college or high school? I, I think it's always been there. Uh, if you look at my family tree, everybody, whether it be football, volleyball, or basketball I mean uh, my my family has been coaches so it's always been in the back of my head obviously being the competitor I 
I am. Uh, I was going to play it as long as I could. Obviously, uh, that's a slim chance uh, to play in the NFL. I was fortunate enough to be there for a day. But I've kind of got into coaching because, uh, you know, I, I want to affect people's lives and obviously be around football as much as I can. So we first met, not personally, but we're across the field from each other. I, I can't remember the year. What was your senior year of high school? 2003. Uh, 2003 at uh, Falls. Uh, it was week uh, week 10 to get in the playoffs. Uh, we needed Akron Buck to lose, and we were playing you guys to get in at Amherst. And and we were playing you guys to get in. Mickey, you, you broke my heart. <laughs> Coach Ryan had a really good game plan that day. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did, and it was one of those games. It was back and forth, and you got us on. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it was, I believe, a hitch and go towards the end of the game. Yeah, hitch and go. I got flushed to the right on your sideline, and, and it got tipped by your defender. And, and Thad Holland caught it around, I think, the five yard line and, and scored. It was, it was a big, big momentum shift. Yeah, that's one of those nights, just I don't know why I remember it clearly, because afterwards, you know, we got back, there was still a chance we could get into the playoffs with some help, even with the loss. And, you know, beginning of the night, you remember now, you know, Joe, Joe Idol, which is the, the website here, unofficial one that everybody looks at to see what's happening. He projects things. We were watching it back then, and, and scores went in a lot slower that night. So as the, the night started back there, we're watching it and we're in. And then as the scores started coming in, it was like we dropped, we're at eight, and then we were out of it. And I mean, I remember sitting there with the whole coaching staff. It was almost silent, too. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of talk going on. It was somebody somebody hitting refresh the whole night, and and at the end of the night, we just didn't get in. Yeah, no, it, it was some uh, really good rivalry games back in the day between us, uh, Amherst, and Avon Lake, and it was, it was, uh, it was fun. That's how college high school football should be, man. So I remember then it was, I think, 2008, and Coach Snell had asked me to interview for the open coordinator job, uh, which I wanted to do, but I had just taken a job late, and they really did a lot to get me there at Brookside High School. And I, I mean, I went in, and I told them I said I would interview, but I really, I don't think I can take this. I don't think it's good for either of us right now because it would, you know, could hurt your recruiting, whatever. You know, and, and we agreed in part of ways. And I remember, though, on the, the way out, he's walking out with me. And in the parking lot, he calls you over. He's like, you got to meet this guy. I'm like, yeah, I know this guy. <laughs> and, and, I mean, long story short, you ended up on the coaching staff with me at Brookside High School coaching the quarterbacks and serving as a, a co-coordinator for me. And, um, you know, that, that was an experience of itself that was an incredible, probably the youngest team I've ever coached at the varsity level because most of it, I think we had two seniors who started and one senior who's, who would switch in and our three seniors started, one would switch in and then one junior and the rest who, who started and played most of it were both freshmen or sophomores, a lot of them freshmen. So it was, it was almost like coaching a JV team at the varsity level and, and it was literally starting at square one because they had been I don't know, like a double wing or wing T team. They had never seen any spread elements before, but, you know, we were doing a lot of putting in, you know, basic. We stayed basic, but putting in a basic form of some of the offense you guys were doing, which was, I believe, a lot of what Ian Shoemaker did at the time at uh, BW. 
Correct. And no, like I tell a lot of people, that experience alone, you know, was the most rewarding experience in my coaching career. It, it made me coach. Like you got to coach everything. Uh, when we first went to Brookside, you know, stance, uh, start, you know, everything. And, and, you know, I think if we would all stay on staff, you know, you know, we were changing, you know, the culture at Brookside, which was something really special. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, Mick, because I think it's prepared you for starting a, of a program and, and really having nothing. We had this tiny weight room. I want to say we had either two or three benches in there, a couple squat racks. We had to make do, you know, and the kids were great. I mean, they, they bought in. They would come and do the workouts and all that stuff all summer long, but we got creative, and it was, you know, we found somebody to to donate. I don't know what we had, like 10 truck tires. We went to uh, Home Depot. We We got some iron pipes and you know, we would use those uh, like to, to, you know, bang on those tires. We'd flip the tires. We got we got a whole bunch of like rope. They'd pull the tires like just these things because we couldn't get everybody through the weight room efficiently. So it was like the core lifts and then doing some of that stuff. And, you know, before it really came, became in vogue, you see a lot of guys. I mean, CrossFit wasn't a thing at the time, you know, and we weren't necessarily doing CrossFit workouts, but we were using a lot of those implements. No, absolutely. I mean, when you get to something like that, you got to create to be competitive. And, you know, you know, obviously changing the culture is first and foremost the, the hardest thing to do at, at a school like that at a, that was losing. And obviously bringing in a new system and making them feel like, you know, this is this is the right direction to, to go. And, you know, it, you got to build that trust. So I thought we, you know, for a year, I thought we did a really good job of getting that thing to build that trust. Yeah, definitely. And, and from there, you you and I both moved on to the college level. You went to Notre Dame College with Adam Howard, who was the defensive coordinator at BW, took, took over to start the program there, brought you in as an intern. I moved over to BW and became the, the quarterback's coach. And, you know, the thing is, like, I introduced this by saying Mickey was the intern. He didn't leave. He didn't go other places. He actually is a guy who got promoted through the system to now being the head coach. I think it's a very unique story, one that you don't see happen really anywhere now where, where somebody's just stayed uh, around and, and really progressed through the profession to be able to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, believe it or not, you know, I look at guys that you know, coached my father and, and my uncles and, and Lee Trestle and Lee would, had opportunities to go all over the place and to do it at BW to build that program to a national level. Uh, also, you know, had many talks in the recruiting process with Larry Karras and, you know, it was, you know, I think that's, you know, something that, you know, gets lost in uh, translation a lot nowadays is just staying at one spot and, you know, building that thing to, to national levels. And that's kind of what I, I kind of try to do here. Yeah, definitely. Now, I I do, Mick, I have to step back to the Brookside days as I think about this. I remember a a lot of great stories, but the like one we could share here is uh, your your first call, which is a touchdown. And I remember when it happened, you know, I was quick to point out that my first call as a head coach was a touchdown. My head, you know, head coach at Fairview, 
I was the offensive coordinator too. I said, you know, my first coach as a call as a head coach was a, a touchdown as well, Mick. So, you know, you're, you're on a good track. And I remember mine, mine was, it, <laughs> you remember yours too, because we talk about it all the time, but mine was a empty jet sweep. We're playing Lutheran West. We had the ball in a 20, 20. It was a 80 yard jet sweep for a touchdown. Now, we, you know, jump ahead to you call the first play for us, you know, new staff. And we're, yeah, we're playing Avon at the time. And yours was a touchdown as well. Yeah, just for the other team. Uh, we didn't line up in the, first <laughs> form, in the right formation, and, and we triggered off the wrong guy and picked six the other way. And I looked down at him, and I said, oh, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> but no, it was, it was good time. I learned a ton, like I said, that year on, on how to be a coach and, and try to do the right things and how to affect people's lives that, that year. It was, like I said, really rewarding. Except for that first call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fun, even though it was very difficult. And I, I think you would agree with this. You know, you probably do your best job coaching and, and coach the hardest, put the most detail into it when when you don't have a lot of those weapons. You're, you're doing everything you can to coach guys up to, to get them in a position that they, they might have some success. For sure. You got to think outside the box, but still say simple so the kids can grasp what we're trying to do and, and not try to reinvent the wheel and, and not grow as a, in the program. So you kind of have to fight two things at once, be simple, but also be effective so the kids can actually perform at a high level. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of those things that year we would be in games. We'd have the lead in games. And it was just one of those things that we just did not have enough weapons. We did not have enough gas in the tank. But, you know, those kids definitely grew from the experience. And I, I think everybody there had a good experience. It wasn't one of those where, you know, when you don't have a – sometimes when you don't have a good season, the wheels fell off. That that never really happened to us. Everybody stayed together. It it was actually – I think you said it. It was it was still, for us as coaches, we, we had a lot of fun. We had a really – good staff, close staff, and, and, you know, we enjoyed uh, the process. Correct. And that's something we talk about, you know, the process before you can win, you got to learn how to win. I think we're at Brookside, we're getting to that point on, you know, we're in games or, or building, but we don't know how to win. And so you get in those situations time and time again, you don't really know what it takes to win. So I think we're getting on the right track. Obviously we all moved on, but, you know, I think it was, it was something, you know, enjoyable and good lessons in, in coaching that year for for me at least and I know I remember when you first got started you know scouting Ohio was and still is one of the you know good good tools to use as a college coach here in Ohio and I would always joke that you were a walking talking scouting Ohio if there was a recruit out there who was good you knew all about him you had all his contact info you had been in contact with him I mean I think you know in, in my mind you really made a name for yourself and showed what your value was to to a you know a startup program in what you're able to do with recruiting. I think it's something you've always excelled in. Exactly. If you want to be good in, in college football and you know you got to be able to recruit and build relationships to be first to show the kid that he's a priority to know everything that you can about him. It's huge and. Obviously, we branched out here at Notre Dame and from just Ohio, just because of all the all the schools that are in Ohio. Um, we had to branch out, and you know, we are from Maryland all the way down to Florida now, and, and into Texas and Dallas and Houston. So, just building those relationships with kids and coaches has been, you know, 
something that's really, really important to me because you want to affect people's lives more importantly, but you also want to win. And to get top talent, you got you to gotta be early, in my personal opinion. And, you know, once those relationships are formed, I think it's just a matter of, you know, is this a fit for the kid academically and, and socially? So, you know, we've done that at Notre Dame. That's, I think, why you see the success recently uh, here in the past couple of years. So, Yeah, I know I came out last spring and watched practice, and I had been out, you know, in the earlier days when Coach Howard was there, and it was neat to see just the growth. I mean, it was night and day difference between what was going on in those early years and um, what was happening then, you know, just last spring. And, and I think you guys were coming off, what, a quarterfinal appearance then? Final four. Final four, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, from the program, Coach Howard did a great, great job laying the foundation. And obviously, Reichel took over for a year, and then Mike took this place to a, another level. And then, obviously, I'm trying to continue on and take that next step to be a national champ. But, yeah, it, it starts and ends with recruiting. It's a, it's huge here. And if you look at the first team to now, it, it is night and day. But those guys that, you know, started the program kind of laid the foundation on what it takes to to be successful both in the classroom and on the field. So a lot of a lot of props go to those those guys that, you know, fought through some hard times, some losing seasons, but got this thing where it needs to be. Absolutely. And I can't remember how far back it was, but you know, you went from being a position coach to the coordinator and, you know, the the one thing I was impressed with, you were always going out and learning, but you were very disciplined in sticking to the, the framework of, of what you had, like if you were going to make changes in what you were doing, it, it, there, there was a definite purpose for it and a reason, and it was going to fit into what you're doing. So talk to us just a little bit about your process for developing an offense. My process for developing an offense is quite simple. You know, everything revolves around running the football and getting numbers in the box. If we can win in the box, then then we're going to be very successful running the football. But also, you know, building off of that, it's inside-outside zone with every RPO that you see nowadays. For me, that, that, that keeps it simple. And then obviously what we've done here over the past three years is implement a tight end into 11 personnel. We were all 10 personnel my first oh, seven years. So just uh, incorporating the tight end and some of the gap schemes with the extra hat in there and, and still taking advantage with our numbers uh, on the perimeter and in the play action. So everything is very simple, but it's effective and it eliminates, you know, terminology and stuff with the quarterback that everything is a conflict defender read where it's simple for the quarterback to process, but also, you know, we're, we're showing a lot of looks with the different RPOs. Yeah, and that's something, as you got going, the RPO definitely came to the forefront for you. And I know, I don't want to say you were an RPO-based offense, but that was definitely something you guys were leaning on. Talk to us about, and I know what it is, but you'll you'll talk about it. Talk to us about your favorite RPO. Bubble, man. Everybody who knows me understands that I I, I throw bubble. And, and nowadays, you know, it's also the flat read, which is just an arrow route by the number three receiver rather than a bubble uh, for our tight end who, who is very gifted. And it's a simple read. Count three in. And if the guy's in a run conflict, you, you spit it out. And if the guy's in a pass conflict, you run the football in the zone read. So is the RPO game with bubble. Everybody that knows who I am knows that. You know, we're going to run bubble here at Notre Dame, and we're going to run it 
and everybody's going to know we're going to run it, but, you know, it's effective, it's efficient, it's the same read for the QB. You count as many defenders in as that, is that third defender, a run conflict defender, or a pass conflict defender. And from that, his alignment to his first step and demeanor, you can be really, really effective. We're blessed to have a really, really talented offensive line, and in my opinion, the best Division two player in the country, Joel McLaughlin. Moving forward, you got Alan Estep in, and, and I know Alan well. He's been a guy who, man, I can think it goes back to the Amherst days. He was down the road at Oberlin College, and I would go over there every year, a couple times a year, and sit down and clinic with Alan. And, you know, he moved on to Marietta. He and I would keep in touch, even though we were in the same conference together. We kind of would pick each other's brains about what they did against, you know, other defenses that, that we might be facing. So I know he's a great football mind, and so for you, what's that transition going to be like to, to being the head coach and, you know, not the coordinator anymore? I'm still going to call it. <laughs> but, you know, obviously I was blessed with, to have, you know, Anthony Soto, who, who went to become the offensive coordinator at Lenore Ryan. Coach Soto is a, a great football mind and, and developed, helped me develop our offense here into that 11-12 personnel stuff but having Al come and bring some new ideas it's just been awesome makes me think out of the box Uh, one of the reasons that why he came here is just to learn and that's why I brought him on and obviously he's been a a friend of mine for about 13 to 15 years now and bouncing ideas off of him is awesome and get another perspective from another coordinator who's been really successful building a program down at Marietta College. So you've been there now through, you had Coach Howard, you had Coach Reichel, you had Coach Jacobs, and, and now you're the man. You certainly have seen the culture grow. You've, you've seen how other things have done it. But now, you know, this is Mickey Mental's program. You know, what, whatever had been done before, this is now your chance to put your signature on it and do things probably a, a little bit differently, make some tweaks here and there. So for you, what's what are some of those things, I guess, you're looking at that might be a little bit different for your program and and how you operate nothing really changes obviously look at what bill and mike did and you know the level they took this program to you see the success so you don't want to tear off it too much i think the thing that i'm gonna bring that's a little different is just my personality it's more uh you know laid back with a lot of energy day in and day out and just in we always talk about enjoying the process and setting your standard for the day i really truly believe in that uh you know Trust the process. If you see any of my social media stuff, it, it's been a thing of mine for uh, all the time. You know, <laughs> every Saturday you, you got to put it up to begin your day. But that's something we, we truly live by here. Each day is, is a new day, and if your process is sound, and you have a sound routine, and you can grow as a person. You're gonna reach heights that you don't think you can. And then obviously you, you want to set your standard as a program and as a person and as a coaching staff where. You know, it's high at all times, man. You, you gotta, you gotta compete at everything you do, whether it's a classroom, a, as a player, or on the field, or as a coach in recruiting, or just trying to make yourself better as a, as a person in a, in a, in a football coach. So we, that's how we attack the day more than anything here. So you know, there's there's a lot of young guys thinking back to when you first started. So you were what 23, 24 years old, I think, and. You know, a, a lot of guys who are in those intern, limited earnings positions, I mean, they're always on the scoop, always looking for a different job. And, you know, you were never one of those guys who was always out looking. In fact, you, you had opportunities that, you know, you didn't pursue. You've made the choice to stay there. What's 
what's been most rewarding for you in, you know, just looking back at the start of this, starting the program, being being at the very lowest level. I know you guys all had multiple duties besides coaching at the time. I, I remember Niemeyer was, you know, running the equipment room. I can't remember what you were doing, but but now to grow into this position and, and have this opportunity, what what do you think has been uh, rewarding and, and worth all that time and effort? I think the most rewarding is the relationships you build, not only with the players, but at, with coaches as well. You know, I've been fortunate enough to be here, this will be my going into my 12th year is to be surrounded by good people. And when you're surrounded by good people, you kind of see different ways to enhance your program, what you like if you're ever a head coach or a coordinator or whatever. But uh, I've been blessed to be around a lot of good people that have gone to Division Ones or start a program or started their up, another program up or, or anywhere in between. And just to be around those people and call them my friends has been the most rewarding uh, thing for me and you know the reason you want to stay at one place is you want to for me is to do it in Cleveland where I'm from Um, obviously my family's here that's a big big deal to me I love uh, being able to go see my father and my two nephews and niece now which is really really exciting but yeah just do it in Cleveland is awesome well, it's been great to see all you've done over time, Mickey. And, and you know, I can honestly say, you know, I, I'm I'm so proud of what you've done. As I've seen you be promoted all o- along the way, from being the intern to get a full time job to becoming the coordinator and now the head coach. I, I've I've been somebody who's been in your corner and rooting for you the whole way, and can't say how proud I am of you. So, final question for you, Mick. I ask this of, of all our guests is you know all the things you do you're a great recruiter you've done a great job on offense you understand how to organize and build a program and build relationships but you know what's the one thing you do as a coach that gives your guys the winning edge i think just being consistent with as much stuff and chaos and all that is around these kids on a daily you know just being a consistent person um your energy routine eliminating the chaos around you and just being that solid figure these kids can can look at and and become better people and better players i I think that's the thing i I try to do from a daily basis just being consistent and being solid for these kids and just so i know you mentioned it to our listeners before but so they know active areas for you guys and in places where they'll find the notre dame coaching staff recruiting pittsburgh michigan state of ohio maryland Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Dallas, and Houston. And those are the places you visit, of course. These guys recruit nationally, so if there's somebody who's, who comes in and or somebody you send across, they're, they're definitely going to evaluate and look at them as well. Mick, what's the, the best way for our coaches to ask you questions or contact you if there's anything else they want to know? Probably Twitter, M-M-E-N-T-A-L seven on Twitter and then obviously my email is M-M-E-N-T-A-L at ndc.edu. Hey Mick, it's it's always great to catch up with you. It's pretty cool to have you on the podcast here and, and share that story. I, I really appreciate you doing that. And you know, once things get going here again for you guys, best of luck to you and the Falcons in twenty twenty. Thank you again, Keith man. It's always great to talk to you and, and always talk football and you know present new ideas for the listeners out there. Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please 
push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.